I'm in Luke chapter 2. My brother read 25 through 40. And we're going to cover most of this, so you're going to have to listen quickly. I have an awful lot to say about this passage. Somebody says, well, this is after the birth of Christ. Hey, observation, that's really good that you saw that. But it has to do with the first coming, the advent of Christ, because this is part of that advent that that goes on during that period of of time. I want to, before we go there, I want to share a testimony with you all. Um, Remember the first Sunday of Advent, I talked about family traditions that bring home uh, the presence of Christ in the, the person of our Lord as he is involved in our daily life. And I talked about secret angels was one of the things I talked about. Remember that? If you don't, I did. The second thing I talked about was that I wanted the Lord to allow me to lead somebody to the Lord during the Advent season. Remember that? Happened this week. Now I'm asking for two. Is that okay, Lord? Two more? Which shows you if you have not because you ask not. So you need to ask. If if you'd like to see somebody come to the Lord, ask the Lord to help you do that. If you want to be a secret angel, ask the Lord to help you to do that. Okay? So that's the way it happens. It's called faith. Only God gives us faith. I don't have faith. It comes from God. Right? Isn't that right? Chapter 2, verse 25. We're going to talk about a man called Simeon. You don't hear much about Simeon. I mean, in all of Scripture, there's only these few verses about him. We're not even including, at this point, 36 to 40. We're only talking down to 35. Ten verses about one man. There's so much in this ten verses. You've got to hear what's going on with this godly man. Oh, by the way, if, there, if you had 10 verses about you in the Bible, would it be godly verses? It's a good question, isn't it? If you were Anna, would you get four verses that, about righteousness? It's a good question. Now, this man, he was called, he was in Jerusalem, and they called him Simeon. And look what God says about him. That he's righteous. Now, that that should, alarms should come up. Why? Because God said that no one's righteous. Isn't that what it says? No one. Not even one is righteous. But in this passage of scripture, he says this man is righteous. Now, how can Simeon be righteous if the Holy Spirit has not come in Acts chapter 2? And filled us because we believe in Christ. Because righteousness is Christ. Christ is righteousness. And you need to understand that. So so Christ is righteousness. So how in the world could Simeon be righteous? The only way he could be is because he follows the law in such a way 
that the sacrifice that he gives on the Day of Atonement covers his sin. That blood covers the sin. It does not cleanse it or wipe it away, and death is still in him, but because of his belief and obedience to God through following the law, he is righteous. Oh, he's not only righteous, he's devout. How many of you are devout? Devout means that you give up everything to follow God. Are you devout? Now, I can't answer that question, and quite frankly, you can't either. There's only one who can answer it, answer it and it's the living God. So if this is a devout man... This man must be living a a life of repentance. The only way that you can live a life of repentance is because you need the third person of the Trinity to tell you if you've sinned. Okay? So the third person of the Trinity is involved in his life. And it tells us here, that he was waiting on, well, we'll, get, we'll get to the consolation of Israel, but, and the Holy Spirit was on him. So, so with the covering of the blood, the Holy Spirit was on him like a prophet. That meant the Holy Spirit spoke to him and he heard him, which takes us back to John chapter 9 and 10, where Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I am... I am emphasizing over and over and over again that you have got to hear the voice of God. You've got to understand it is him, and you've got to listen to him. Now, when I was a little boy, believe it or not, there were times I didn't listen to my mother. I don't know if you knew that about me or not, but it's true. And if my mother wanted to tell me something and I acted like I was busy with something else and didn't look at her, my mother would say, stop what you're doing, turn around and look at me. That's what she would say. I'd stop and I'd turn around and look at her. Sometimes I'd go like, I'd roll my eyes. When you listen to God, You look at him and you hear what he has to say. And she would take her hand and she says, I want you to do this. And this is why I want you to do it. And then I want you to know that you need to get it done by now. And then at the end, you know what she'd say to me? She said, did you hear what I said? And I said, yes. If I didn't say anything, guess what? My mother knew I wasn't listening. As a born-again Christian, Simeon looked at God. He looked for God and looked for God. And he looked at him, and he heard what he said. And he said, yes. In this relationship that Simeon had with God, he had a desire that the Messiah of Israel would come. That's what it says in the verse before. 
He wanted to see God's answer come to Israel. Why? He looked at Israel and he saw the condition that they were in. And he saw the unrighteousness that ruled. And the pain and the suffering that they went through because the Messiah had not come. Now I'm going to tell you something right now. You have a family. Just your family. Just you and your children and your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren. And you either see the holiness and righteousness of God in your children. Or you see the unrighteousness and you see the pain they're in because sin reigns. And you're looking for the Savior that is already here to come to your family. Wouldn't it be great that he came and people said, yes, yes, I follow you. I want you to be my Savior. That's what this man wanted. He wanted Israel to know the Messiah. The Messiah had been taught taught to them for thousands of years. And listen to what he asked. He asked something of God because he could listen to God. He said, would you let me see this Savior before I die? Will you let me see this Savior before I die? With your family. You would like your family to see the Savior and live for him before you die. And your grandchildren. And your great-grandchildren. Some of them may not even be born yet. And you would like them to have a relationship with the Messiah. This is another reason why we need to hear the Lord. Because I want to tell you what. When you pray for your family, just like Simeon prayed for the nation of Israel. And asked for God to show him when the Messiah was coming and how that was going to happen. It gives you peace. At the movement of God in your life. That means God is with you. Emmanuel. God is with the Dean family. God is with whatever your family's name is. I forget. What's your name? When you know that. When when God says that to you. When God the Father says to you. I am going to redeem your family. That's like saying Sikkim to me. I just say, Lord, I, I don't say, oh, it's over with. They're going to be all right. I say, Lord, arrange the time. Arrange the place. Begin to talk to the person that's going to talk to them. Or they're going to take the circumstances to bring them about. Because you're going to redeem my family. That's, that's what... Simeon's talking about. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's why the church is important. Because there are people who do not have family members who know the Lord. Hello? So who prays for them? Hello? The church. 
And how does the church know to pray for a family? The Holy Spirit tells the people to pray for it. That's what he does. So the Holy Spirit was on him. Not, you understand, he was like a prophet. He was covered with the blood of the Lamb, so therefore God couldn't see his sin. Now that's why that happens. He was covered with the blood of the Lamb, God couldn't see his sin, and he lived by faith. So God saw he lived by faith, and the blood covered his sin, but the Holy Spirit then came down and rested on him. Very unique situation, like a prophetic situation. But it does not call him a prophet. So that means that it could happen to anybody who decided to be a devout believer in Christ. Before, or, or God before Jesus. Now it says in verse 26, God spoke to him. It says, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. You need to underline that. You need to understand that that's the way the relationship works between righteousness and a human being. God will reveal to you. Hey, how does it work? You got unmarried children? Lord God, can you bring a righteous person to marry my children? Well, we hear that. Will you please bring? Make him a doctor. <laughs> Sorry, Adeline, it's not a doctor yet, so. I'm ki- you guys don't mind if I kid a little bit, do you? My wife didn't marry a doctor either. So he, he was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. He would not die before he sees the Lord's Messiah. That means deliver her. And that's how uh, consolation of Israel happens, is through a deliverer. Now, he's not looking for a political. I don't want to get into all that garbage, and it is garbage, but please forgive me. Everybody talks about He's not talking about political deliverer because they're under bondage now. This man was wise enough. He had spent enough time with God that what he wanted them to free, be free from is sin and death. That's what he wanted them to be free from. So one day, out of the clear blue sky, when he's spending time with the Lord, it says, notice the wording. You got to notice the wording. Moved by the Spirit. Now what's that mean? That means the Holy Spirit was in him, upon him, excuse me, was upon him, and the Spirit said, go to the temple. Okay. He, didn't, uh, he didn't tell him why. So he went to the temple court. And when the parents brought the child 
brought in the child. So they're coming into the court. They're going to go to wherever they took them in the temple to circumcise Jesus. Now, um, you all know what circumcision is. It was started by God. God gave it to Abraham. Abraham had all the adult men and their sons circumcised. And it was a sign that these people were the children of God and they were following the teachings of the living God. And so every male child by the eighth day of its birth, they took it to the temple. Now, it, if they're like modern churches, uh, you have dedications all on one Sunday, you don't have them every day, right? So he had no idea which child or even what God had brought him there for. He had some idea. And so they brought Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. It wasn't a custom ritual. It was a requirement, which everybody did. That's what it means. I'm sure glad Mary and Joseph weren't rebellious. We, in the church today, it's rebellious. You know there's rebellion in the church, didn't you? People don't do what was required of God anymore. They do what they want to. That's called rebellion, not righteousness. Okay. And when he, when he saw Jesus, there's nobody here with a baby, is there? I'm not going to come back and take him. He walked up to him. I don't know if he said, could I have the child or not? But he took the baby in his arms. Eight days old. Would you give up your baby to, an eight, to a stranger? Well, yeah. I would. Maybe when he was a teenager. <laughs> but... but not a baby. Now, I want you to understand what this man says. Sovereign Lord. He's talking about God. He's talking to God. Not Jesus. Talking to God. Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. That means let me die. For my eyes has seen your salvation, the Messiah, which you have prepared in the, in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Do you realize that man just spoke against the theology of the belief of the Jewish race? Because, because Jews believed that Gentiles were fuel for the fire of hell. That's their words, not mine. It's in their writing. You weren't allowed to have a relationship with them. You weren't allowed to have uh, talk to them. You could not dare let your children marry into the Gentile race. That's why the Samaritans were not allowed to worship in Jerusalem. Did you know that? 
because they were married to Gentiles. But this man, with the Spirit of God was upon him, realized that the Messiah, the Savior of the world, to remove sin and death from him, was for all mankind. You and me. And to the glory of your people in Israel. Okay, now. I'm going somewhere else with this, and I've got, you've got to understand this. I've got to teach you this. You've got to learn this. There are three parts to the Trinity. Oh, I know that, Mike, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That was good. You're, you're 101. The Father is a creator, and he is the mediator, uh, not mediator. He, he controls everything that goes on. That's who the Father is. He is the Lord of all creation. Is what he is. And what he says goes. That's the part, that part of God. The last part I want to talk about him, I'll talk about him a little bit, but that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a reconciler and a regenerator. When when we give our heart to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us, and he's the one that cleans the sin and death out of, and he breathes into us the breath of life. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes and does that to us. When we do battle against evil and sin and stronghold, it is the Holy Spirit with the word of God that goes in battle and defeats the enemy. Notice I didn't say battles with him and battles. He goes in and defeats the enemy and removes him from you. He is the counselor. He's the spirit of truth. There are many other things, but that's what the Holy Spirit does. And then you say, well, then there's a son who's the Messiah. He's a, yes, he is. But it's even more than that. He is God with us. Without Jesus, God is not with us. Now, say that to yourself. Without Jesus, God is not with us. Without Jesus, God is not with me. Why? Because he died for us. He lived a perfect life for us. He went to the grave for us. He gave us eternal life. He is the manifest life of God on earth. He pierced the curse of sin and death to come and live with us and to over, overpower it. I'm sorry, I'm too loud. Forgive me. I, I get like this. He pierced the sin and death. And he came and lived with the dead. To save the dead. He is the manifestation of the power and glory of God. God with us. God with us. No matter what your pain is, he's with us. No matter what the hurt is, he's with us. God is with us. Emmanuel. I am the way. That means to God. I am the truth. That's the salvation. And I am life. 
The Father can't do that. The Spirit can't do that. Only one can do that, and that is Jesus. And that's why we have that banner back there, God with us. That's why we talk about Emmanuel. That's why we talk about Advent. Because just as he manifests his power and authority through Jesus Christ over sin and death, he will come back in the second Advent, hallelujah, to have power and authority over all evil. That's the power of God. I do not have to live in the hopelessness of this world. Is there a lot of opportunity? Sure, there is. Now, I could go on. This is Verse 33, the, the child's father and mother were marveled at what this man said. And Simeon blessed them, and he said to, his, to Jesus' mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel. And he will be a sign that would be spoken against. We're not there yet. We're on the precipice or the beginning of them starting to speak against Jesus. It's coming, people. And when they start talking against Jesus, you know the end is coming. And then we, one of the things I like about this war over in Israel is we now know the hearts of people all over the world. That's what it says right here. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. <laughs> now we, I, I always, I like to know who my enemy is. So I can pray and I know what to do. And that's what it says. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. That He's talking to Mary, meaning that she's going to die. He's going to die. 33 years later, he's going to die. And then there was Anna, the prophet, an elderly woman in her 80s who attended day and night and worshiped God. He didn't say she was righteous like Simeon. Not saying women can't be righteous. It just doesn't say it. 84 years old. Coming up to them in verse 38, at that very moment, the same time Simeon was there, she thanked God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jews. There were other people that were like-minded that was looking for the redemption of of Jesus. Let me tell you what, you look around the world and you see a lot of despondent people who probably are even negative about whether or not Jesus is here. There there are people who want to know about Jesus. He goes back and he's filled with strength. He grew in strength. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him.
God is with us. Because Jesus came. If he hadn't came, he was not with us. You need to understand that. If, if Jesus didn't come, God is not with us. He came, so he's with us. So that means salvation. That means eternal life. That means power. That means authority. That means transfer, transfer, transportation. <laughs> oh, transformation. Thank you. It means all those things. You with, you with me? What I'm saying here? That's why we celebrate Christmas. I, don't get a, hung up on the date. I mean, I, I could preach about why we do the 25th of December and it makes a lot of sense, but it doesn't matter. You can go home right now and celebrate the coming of Christ. Matter of fact, you should. You should do it tomorrow. Next week, in July, when it's hot, you should celebrate the coming of Christ because if he's not here, God is not with us. Right? Greg knows this, that when he gets on that plane and it doesn't have anything but winds and air to keep it up, God's with him. Right, Greg? <laughs> God is with us. If the government falls, God is with us. If the government is successful, God is with us. If we have money, God is with us. If we don't have money, God is with us. God is with us because he loved us before we loved him. I want to thank you for the extra music today. It was really good. Thank you. Could the, could the, could the guys come back? Could you guys come back and play some music? Just just him, that's all? Who is? All of us. Can, can you play us an introduction of a song we're going to hear tonight? Just, you know, it, it's probably not Charlie Brown. What's that? No. I mean, this is, so tonight is, is Christmas carols, so there are lots of other Christmas songs, but we're not going to do, like, Frosty the Snowman or anything like that. Good. We're going to sing songs about Jesus. Jesus, our Savior. We're going to sing them together. Yeah. And uh, we're going to eat cookies. Are you going to eat cookies while you sing? Where am I? But, but I, I just, I want you to understand something. It's windy. If here. you've never been... To one of his concerts, or the concert that's tonight, it will change. It'll change the way you uh, celebrate Christmas, because God has anointed His music. I don't know if you all knew that or not. God's a, yeah. Give him a hand. He knows how to teach people how to worship together, and and God blesses him. And, and there's no snow forecasted. There is rain, but there's no snow, and you can come. And we just love you, Caleb, for it. God bless you. So let's stand and sing this song, and I'm going to pray. We're going to sing away in the manger. Father God, I just ask in Jesus' name that you touch these people and that you fill them with your Holy Spirit.
Without you, we do not have God in our midst. You have broken down the curtain in the temple. You've ripped it. You stepped. You stepped from heaven into our presence. And you will not leave us until you take us to go with you. You are with us, Father. No matter what we suffer, no matter what victories we have, you're with us. Praise God. Bless these people. In Jesus' name, amen.